Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. We're here in Orlando, Florida with Mr. Hank Leviota. Hank, first question, very important one. Are you still riding the high from last June's Wolfhammer win on No Laying Up's Wild World of Golf? Obviously. That's the easiest question I'll get all day, I feel like. <laughs> what was I mean, what was the reaction like to that? Did, you, did uh, anybody say anything to you? Anybody watch it? Did you get in, yeah. Yeah, comments from anyone? Yeah, of course. I got uh, messages all over the board. I will say my followers went up by about, <laughs> I don't know, like... 25% for what I had on both uh, both my social media accounts. So I've got tons of people reaching out. Um, my wife, Mary, met a few people in the, uh, in the crowd at Torrey Pines. Really? Yeah, they'd come out and said, yeah, we had watched Hank on uh, uh, No Laying Up's Wild World of Golf. Are you here watching him too? <laughs> yeah, actually I am. Kind of am, yeah. yeah. I married him because he was <laughs> on the Wild World of Golf. He was so funny on there. How well could you read back the rules of Wolfhammer if you had to right now? Uh... Not very well. I oh, I wouldn't be able to talk the trash. Like, I wouldn't be able to go over all the different points and whatnot. But the I guess the main theory behind Wolfhammer, I could get around to people. Do you think this is a betting game you would take to you and your buddies? It would, for like tour pros, this would be extremely fun to play. I oh, would yeah. think because all the dots are like rewarding really good play. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would. Okay. You, it's good if you like you said for multiple tour pros playing in the same group. It'd be awesome. But you have a tour pro and three amateurs in the same yeah, group. Yeah, we kind of dragged you down a little <laughs> bit. We got roasted pretty good in the uh, in the comments for that, deservedly so. But it was look, it's a little nerve wracking to be like actually competing. I mean, we we get to play with pros a decent amount, but like yes. getting in the betting game that's getting filmed was like, oh man, everyone's gonna see this shank. And my grips were wet. Oh yeah, yeah. Rady got Rady roasted me pretty well for yeah. that. So. <laughs> Well, we got a lot to cover with you. I think uh, a lot of people, myself included, don't really know a lot about your story. I kind of got a, like a, a bit of it, the background when we when we played, but uh, said we needed to sit down and do a podcast and kind of go through it all. And now that you you've spent a couple of weeks on the PGA tour, I thought that'd be kind of good perspective for all that you've been through in golf and kind of riding the uh, the smaller tours to into the web tour and into yeah. the PGA tour. Got a lot to cover, so. Going back to the beginning, kind of what's your background in golf? Like usually I like to do some mm-hmm. research on guys. Your Wikipedia page isn't too thick yet, so I, I don't have a ton of info. I'm no, I'll, get, this. I'll get my agent on that and get okay. Drew to kind of pump it up a little bit. <laughs> just throw word, just volume of words is all we're yes. really looking for in there. So <laughs> so how I sat, uh, got yep. started in golf. If we start some controversy on this podcast, that might that might beef that up a little bit. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, okay, awesome. Uh, how I got started in golf, actually when, uh, well, when I was growing up, my mom was a stay-at-home mom dad would be at work uh when he would come home to get me out of her hair he would bribe me with ice cream to go to the local driving range and this was i mean back then it was awesome in my eyes oh this is the best it's so much fun mainly because i got ice cream on the way home and so that's how he got me into playing golf or at least got me around the game and whatnot uh what really got me going was i had my best friend still today lived on a golf course and he and his older sister and his dad would play golf all the time they had a cart and so during summers we would go spend 10 hours a day at the golf course between hitting balls chipping putting walking 18 holes playing tiger woods 2004 on the game view back at his house having pizza at his house for lunch and coming back out to the golf course doing swim practice and you name it we were spending time there and that's what got me hooked well that okay that is the same for me so why am i lugging all this microphone <laughs> equipment uh, around here like it sounds exactly like my childhood we would play 10 hours a day and god i can i can't even break 70 anymore so uh so uh, what what was your junior career like when did you i i love asking people this question and it's kind of hard to brag on yourself in that way but like when did you know that your talent was different and that this was something that you really wanted to pursue uh, well, I was a big Florida State fan growing up. So my mom went to high school in Tallahassee. She grew up in Tallahassee. Uh, my grandparents still lived there when I was growing up. So I would go like the last Florida State Notre Dame football game before 2014. I went to that game in Tallahassee and uh, I spent all my holidays up there. So Thanksgiving, uh, one Thanksgiving, my uncle was there with us. He took me to the baseball stadium 
lifted me up over the edge of the um, the fence, the kind of the side fence, and I acted like I hit a home run and <laughs> ran around the bases and whatnot. And um, so when I was in, I guess I would have been a freshman in high school. Uh, Coach Jones, Coach Trey Jones at Florida State, saw me play at Dothan Country Club at the Future Masters. Uh, I ended up winning the event, but I was carrying this obnoxious Florida State golf bag. Like I, I use one when I'm at home, and it's not even as obnoxious as what like the team uses. Are you like going down the fairway doing the Seminole I mean, chop? I, I, in my eyes, I probably was. <laughs> um, but Coach was walking, obviously in full gear, full Florida State gear, and uh, my parents go up to him like, "Hey, like, um, like you have to have something to do with the program, like." who are you? And he's like, Oh, I'm, I'm the head golf coach. I'm here. Uh, one of our, uh, one of our campers, actually Tom Lovelady was playing in my group. He had shot 65 the first round and he's like, Tom was just at our golf camp. And so I just wanted to come up and see him play. I'd just spent a week with him working on his swing and whatnot and saw that he'd play well. Dothan's only two hours away from Tallahassee. So yeah, I'll pop up. And it just happened to be, I was playing with Tom. I was carrying this very loud, obnoxious wow. Florida State golf bag. <laughs> um, and my parents then on the spot said, hey, if you offer Hank like a 30% scholarship right now, like he'll take it. And he's like, ah, oh, yeah, good. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Blah, blah, blah. And he probably should have taken that offer in hindsight. Um, Wait, and, sorry, what age was this? Uh, I would have been, I think it would have been like entering my freshman year of high school. Okay. So about 13 or 14. And is that typical for the recruiting process to start it at that point? I guess at least coaches start making contact and whatnot. It is early, but I kind of expedited the process because of all, I mean, how much I love the university and the town. And so then, so your parents offer, they offer Florida State a 30% scholarship. And then as your junior and high school career kind of takes off, the recruiting process flips and you are a very highly recruited high school player. Is that right? Yes. I would, if you want to say that. Yes. I I didn't really open it up. I knew you wouldn't say it, so I had to say it out I didn't open it up to many schools. Okay. Because I knew where I wanted to go. Uh, I committed to Florida State. What schools did you open it up to? Uh, I visited University of Virginia and South Carolina. Okay. Uh, loved them both. Honestly, had a great time. Kind of the token uh, visits of like, all right, I got to go see somewhere else. I needed to do something. Yeah, okay. Um, but I was playing, I had played baseball all that time. So I had played, uh, played on our varsity team my freshman year of high school. And at that point in time, like, so played varsity that year. So it would have been right after I met, almost a year after I had met Coach Jones, about eight months, nine months or so. Um and go up, play the junior AM that next summer. Coach Jones is there, sees me, watches me play, says, hey, man, whenever you, like, we have a spot for you, we're going to keep a spot for you. You're our man. Let's do this whenever you're ready. And so at 14 years old, I'm like, oh, or 15 years old, I'm like, oh, my word, this is awesome. <laughs> I can't believe this is happening. Um, but I had to make the decision whether I wanted to actually pursue this, go on, try to play college golf which I didn't really know much about. I knew it was, you know, going to play golf at Florida State or being at Florida State was a huge goal of mine. But at 15 years old, when the opportunity just right. presents itself to you, it's... You don't have world perspective at yeah, all yet no, at age 15. No, not, no. A, not even a little bit. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, and I needed to make a decision whether I wanted to keep playing baseball or not once I had committed. So talked it over to my parents uh dad actually told me it was a bad idea to quit playing baseball he said i was better at baseball than i was at golf but i said no I, this is what i want to do i have this opportunity to go to florida state which was like i said where i wanted to be and um i wanted to be with coach jones as a man who i trusted man who i thought was going to make me better um and i i took that leap of faith at 15 years old <laughs> All right, guys, a quick break to let you know we are giving away a Callaway Epic Flash Driver. All you got to do is go on to iTunes, leave a five-star review, and leave a funny ratings, funny story. Do something in there that makes us laugh. You can do a poem, a song, anything. And we will to the person that gives the best or funniest review, we will give away a Callaway Epic Flash Driver. Uh, again, that's all you got to do. And if you've done one in a previous contest, go on to your friends' accounts or whatever. Do whatever you got to do. Leave us a five-star review. Uh, go to CallawayGolf.com to hear more about Flashface and how they are changing the game with drivers. Now back to our podcast with Hank Leviota. So when did you discover that you had, or when did you uh, find out that you had Crohn's disease? Uh, it would have been, 
like New Year's of 2012, 2013. And how old were you then? I would have been 18. Okay. So this is before you got to college? No, this was, this was, yeah, middle of my freshman freshman year year of college. For those that don't know what Crohn's disease is, how would you describe to somebody? Because after reading your story, I had a, I dated a girl in college that had Crohn's disease and Mm -hmm. looking back, I was the worst, worst boyfriend ever. I was not sympathetic (laughs) enough at all to what she was going through. I think you had it much worse than she did. I'll give myself that. But after reading about it, I'm like, oh, Oh shit! That's what Crohn's <laughs> disease is. Yeah, just keep pumping your ego there, Sully. No, you're, no, no, you're no, better no. than you think you uh, are. No, don't, don't I, I need to like save it a little bit there because yeah. I, if you're listening to this, I apologize for sophomore year of college, but continue. <laughs> no, we're not our best selves at that age. Just, I think <laughs> exactly. I think everybody in the room right now would agree with that. Um, no, so Crohn's disease, uh, like the easiest way to describe it, it's an inflammatory disease in your bowel syndrome, like in your gut, basically. Uh, I, I'm infected in my terminal ileum, which is the, basically the, the connection between your small and large intestine. And what does your dad do? He was, he is a retired gastroenterologist. <laughs> what's, what's like, is there not incredible irony in that? I mean, yes. is that, no, it was, I mean, it, if you want to get like into a very ironic story is he, so he's very accomplished doctor. He's Honestly, he's a stud. He's really, mm-hmm. really good. He's really smart. He's very respected in his in his industry or in his uh in his practice. He, I mean, he worked here in Orlando for about thirty years. But he had only treated patients in like in either a hospital bed or in like a consultation office or whatever it may be. He's never actually seen Crohn's disease play out in everyday life. So when I had been first diagnosed and and I had dropped ultimately about 30, 35 pounds as an 18 year old. What was caught? I mean, so going up, growing up, it just didn't have the same effect as it did, I guess, starting freshman year of college or did things get worse for you around that time? Or would you you dealing with this? There are three main causes for Crohn's. Uh, So you have stress as a big component uh, if you're predisposed to it. So there's some, some gene in my body that says, Hey, you are either going to have Crohn's uh, you will get Crohn's or you are likely to get Crohn's um, and then uh, getting sick. So my would have been my senior year of high school during prom. And as some of the listeners may know, like the Sage Valley Junior Invitational, like the tournament for mm-hmm. all junior golfers. I had salmonella. Oh, yeah. How'd you get that? Uh, eating raw chicken here in Orlando at a, a local chicken tender shop. That I'm guessing it, you don't go to anymore. No, but that <laughs> teaches you to not get grilled chicken at a chicken tender shop. There you go. Yes, exactly. Uh, but so I had salmonella during senior prom and Sage Valley, which was in my mind, like the worst thing that could ever happen. Right. And you have, and Sage Valley did an unbelievable job of, you know, providing for me and making sure like they built a fake toilet for me <laughs> and they had two doctors or not doctors, but, um, uh, what would you call them? Nurses, uh, medical staff, or yeah, just, two yeah, two people on medical staff followed me around just to make sure, like, if I had an episode or if I had like I passed out, then they'd have someone there for me. Uh, but from that, it was kind of a eight month process. So you get diagnosed with salmonella. Once you go through kind of that gastrointestinal just nightmare that is salmonella. A lot of times you get IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. So irritable bowel syndrome is just kind of a repercussion of it. It's not going to last forever, but it's just going to be kind of your body working back to normal or what it feels is normal. Uh, IBS for about two months. Enroll in school, I gained about 10 pounds back that I had lost, 10 of the 20 pounds that I had lost. Through, uh, through beer or through, through <laughs> <laughs> No, this is before I got to school. Gotcha. So this okay. is summer leading up to full, gotcha, my freshman okay. year. Um, get to school, but just to be clear, going up through your childhood, you had no symptoms of this at all. Nothing, no, no indications. No, I was healthy. Okay. Um, get to Florida state, uh, start on a pretty significant like workout program and I'm doing great. I'm doing awesome. I'd played in three of the four events, uh, my uh, fall, my freshman year, which I was super pumped about. Everything was going good. Our last events in Cabo at the Cabo Collegiate, which is easily one of the best college events like I played in my four years at Florida State. Uh, get there. I brushed my teeth with the water in the hotel the oh, last day. No. Montezuma's Revenge. <laughs> so I Montezuma, Montezuma's Revenge the week after that. Not great. I, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm fine at that point. 
in the big scheme of things. Uh, get the flu going into finals. Jeez. Uh, have finals, have the flu, and at that point, it's, it snapped. That's when everything went bad. So are you going to the hospital for this? Is it like what, what when you, everything goes bad, is it just like, I can't get out of bed? I can't even. Uh, at that is, point, yeah. no. At that point, I was still fine. I actually went and played the South Beach AM during, I guess it would have been right after finals. Finished second, lost 20 pounds during the event, even though we were riding in carts the whole time. <laughs> lost 20 pounds during yeah. the event. Yeah. And you finished good. second. I finished second. Remember when I was complaining about my wet grips during, <laughs> <laughs> during while we're on golf? Like, that's what reads some of this. I'm like, wait a second. Like, all the little things that bother me in golf, if like one, if 10% of what had happened to you would have happened to me, I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm withdrawing. Like, I, I'm out for sure. So you lose 20 pounds. And yes. then what's the next step after? Uh, next step. So I get home, ghost white. Dad's looking at me like, man, you look awful. Something's up here. Yeah, you yeah. look terrible. And he's like, you're like, let's just let's lay down. Let's let's see what's going on. Uh, basically, I'm on bed rest or Christmas. Uh, don't do much. I'm not practicing or anything like that. Have to withdraw from another. Uh, I think it was the Patriot All American Amateur, which was right after Christmas, which sucked. I hated withdrawing. Mm-hmm. I think it's still the That's only clear at this point that you yeah. ta- you got a medical <laughs> staff following around Sage Valley and you're yeah. finishing second, losing twenty pounds. You're not going to withdraw from. No, much. I still think that's the first tournament I've actually, and only tournament I've withdrawn from. Wow. Uh, and have to withdraw. He's like, all right. You're not going out to Arizona. We're going to get colonoscopy done. Uh, we're going to see what's actually happening. So 18 years old, getting your first or second colonoscopy. It's not not the best, <laughs> not the best like that. record you have right there. Right. Go through the process. So as some of the listeners may know, when you have a colonoscopy, you have to take prep to kind of get your whole f- system flushed out and ready to roll for um, yeah. for the scope the next morning. And the um, the prep didn't work. The laxatives didn't work. Really? I had a complete obstruction in my gut. Oh. Uh, so I'm rolling around at 4 a.m. on the ground, like screaming. Like I have like a complete obstruction in my gut. Nothing can get through. Oh. Go to the emergency room uh, next day. So it would have been like two, almost 30 hours after I had taken the, mm. um, like the prep that it actually worked through and I was able to have my colonoscopy. Uh, came back, mild to severe Crohn's, and I spent would have been right after Christmas 2012 through New Year's 2013 in the hospital. Jeez. Mm-hmm. And like, did you even know the word Crohn's to that point? I, I knew it, but I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Okay. So you spend all that time in the hospital and then uh, I, you seem open to talk about it. Was this like, yeah, embarrassing no. at the time? Is it like kind of like at the, you know, at a younger age, was that different to go through than it is to kind of accept it now? Uh, I will say this just to lead off. I am perfectly comfortable talking about yeah. it. I think it's a, well, oh, with all invisible diseases, not just Crohn's disease or colitis even, uh, people are shy to talk about it. Sure. It's kind of, if you look at me now, you would have no idea that right. I have Crohn's disease. It's a, you know, it's a nasty disease that takes tons of lives and ruins people's lives. But at the same time, I have a platform. I have a platform to speak about it. I have a platform to show that, hey, I am perfectly, not perfectly fine, but I am comfortable sharing my story. I love talking about it. I love getting people's awareness up about Crohn's disease, and it's something I'm proud of. So what after you spend all that time in the hospital, yes. what changes in for you? Is it like everything? everything? <laughs> Let's start. What do we start everything. with? Uh, well, like you said, I only knew Crohn's by name. I had no idea what it was. Um, had support groups come in and speak to me and say, Hey, like talking to me, like I was on my deathbed. I'm like, man, guys, like, I'm not like, I don't feel well, but like this disease isn't going to do anything to me. Like, I'm still going to be the same. I'm still going to work hard. I'm still going to be me. Um, and lying in my hotel or not my hotel, but excuse me, my hospital bed, (laughs) my hospital bed. You know, I'm looking at this and said, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for me to go show people that, Hey, you can live outside live outside the uh, boundaries that Crohn's creates. And I decided that moment that I was going to be part of the solution instead of the problem. And I was going to be part of my solution. And I'm going to use this opportunity to go show people how great your life can be despite having Crohn's disease. Hmm. Uh, but you're saying what changed? I was like, everything changed. Just, everything changed. Um, diet, sleep. Um, How'd your diet change? Oh, I mean, I went from typical freshman in college. I ain't a little better than typical freshman in college kid to chicken and rice for two thirds of my meals, plain eggs with dry toast. 
uh, water and Pedialyte only as drinks. Uh, no coffee, definitely no lactose, like no milk, no. Um, I could have a little bit like a turkey and cheese sandwich would be fine. Uh, salmon, but that was it. I was on the like super old man's diet. So that's what uh, I got this from Ryan Labner's article about you. It says no milk, no fried foods, no salad, no acidic foods, no caffeine, and you couldn't sleep on your stomach anymore. Correct. That was about three months of sleeping on my back. And is that what what of those is still relevant today? All of those, or I'm guessing the sleep maybe as no. Changed. I could I could okay. sleep wherever I want. And okay. My wife will tell you that I'll roll all over the bed <laughs> just fine. Uh, no, I still stay away from fried foods okay. as much as I can. No fried foods, so, but you can drink caffeine now. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. As you took a big sip of coffee, <laughs> that, that, that makes sense now. So, so what what from that? Okay. So what from those changes? still exist today i mean is it alcohol bother you is it any how how is the disease handled today uh i'm extremely fortunate honestly i'm very healthy uh as you can tell i got quite a bit of weight on me now compared to where i was my freshman year when i was diagnosed um but no it's just uh it's an everyday management type of situation so it's a uh i look at tournaments when i go to go to events i'm a little bit more strategic about where I eat or how much I eat, when I eat, uh, when I have my coffee in the morning, uh, what's going on on the golf course, where are the certain bathrooms that you could find on the golf course. I know it sounds so wild to think about, but... Well, I was going to say the Gator Invitational might be one yes. I have to ask about then, because that's also from <laughs> Labner's article. But yes. there's one line in there that says, Lebiota stopped at every restroom during his round and finished 12th that week. Yes. And how many restrooms were on the course? Uh, man, that place is a dump. <laughs> Can't remember how many bathrooms. If I had to guess, there's oh, I do know. There's one right in the middle of the golf course because that's how it's routed, and okay. you can get to it on. It would have been both sides, but you hit it uh, probably two, maybe three times out on the golf course. Okay. That's not as much as maybe it makes it sound. But I mean, are you thinking about it the whole time? Yeah. Are you like, I feel sick and you just don't. Hey, you got to hit a driver. You got to hit a bunker shot or something like that. And you're kind of getting into your stance. Like, man, my, my stomach's kind of like turning a little oh, bit. Oh, God. <laughs> of course maybe, it's on your mind. Yeah. I mean, how much did it affect your play? I mean, is it. Not much, obviously. <laughs> So and then you ended up being the ACC freshman of the year that yes. year, despite all this going on. So, mm-hmm. um, well, I, I mean that that just I know you told us some of that story, but I just I reading that was just kind of stunning to see. Like, it, tell us about like the procedures you had to do on your stomach or still have to do on your stomach. Yeah. Or? So um, I was fortunate enough to never have to go into surgery, which was huge. Mm-hmm. It is massive. The uh, operation have either like to deal with Crohn's if you're going to go in and have surgery is it's nasty. I mean, they cut open your stomach, they cut out the infected area and about five centimeters on either side and they just sew it together. So it doesn't really treat any issue. Right. It just takes, takes the problem out. And then you're left with a gut that's sewn together by stitches, a stomach, like a skin that's sewn together by stitches, all your muscles in there are screwed up from it. And then you're out for three months, yeah. if that's the case, before you can really do much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been on a regular dose of Humira, which is a, essentially just a shot. Imagine like a massive Bic highlighter mm-hmm. is how I describe it to people. Uh, you don't see the needle ever, and I'd give my shot, uh, give myself a shot every other Thursday. Just pinch some fat in the stomach, stab myself, click the pin, hold it for 10 seconds, and that's how I get my medicine. Hmm. It's kind of like looks like it probably looks like an EpiPen or something like yes. that. Okay, yeah. so it's just that's every other Thursday. You said mm-hmm. okay, all right. Well, that's still like pretty. Like, do you ever forget to do it, or yes. is it like okay, <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> what um, happens if you forget to do it? I, it's kind of like a guilty conscience kind of situation. Um, I take it the next day or as soon okay. as possible. That's not too bad. All right. Well, I'm sure I, I appreciate you talking about that. I know you've probably talked about it a lot, but I just hearing that story was just like it's it's stunning to kind of see what you've overcome, but. Uh, all right. So after Florida State, I kind of want to talk just through your professional career to date. Yeah. So you, I always I like asking guys this: How do you decide what you're going to do right after college? Because you ended up playing PGA Tour Canada. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about when thinking about Canada, Latino America? Is it more kind of the climate you're looking for? Is it you know you go to both Q schools and figure <laughs> yeah. it out? Like what was your thought process out of college? Uh, the I did not know much about the Latin America tour when I was in school, uh, but what I did know is the Canadian tour season picked up. Actually, it started. It would have been the week of the national championship that we had my senior year out in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, so for me, 
that was the the easiest route. I wasn't going to get any web exemptions. I would definitely was not going to get any PGA Tour starts coming out of college. So I needed a place to play. And I figured, look, this is a spot where if you play well, you can earn your way, earn yourself uh, like web starts or even web status. I didn't quite understand what it meant at the time, but I knew the ultimate goal was to get to the web, to get to the PGA Tour. Mm -hmm. And that was going to have to be my route. I wasn't going to be able to, like I said, get exemptions, earn enough money through exemptions and whatnot. And how many people get, for the listeners, how many people get routed to the web tour from the Canadian tour? Uh, Five. And how many people play the Canadian tour? A lot. (laughs) A lot of people play the Canadian tour. So you going out there to start, is it overwhelming (laughs) with how many people are out there and how small the needle is to try to get through? Yeah. At at first, yes. And you have no idea what to expect. I had never played in like a professional event before the... shoot the the vict uh victoria it's not the vic open but the um the bc championship mm-hmm. i'm blanking on the name is out in victoria british columbia um but i went straight there from eugene so i had no idea what to expect none at all if you would have guessed where i mean do you are you in your mind are you the 200th best player in the world the 2000th best player in the world is it all very overwhelming for kind of what you got yourself into yes yeah very overwhelming and it's just more one of those like okay do i have to go register am i actually a professional this week am i sure i want to you know sign say yes i am a professional and you you know go down this path for the next three years minimum what do what's the canadian tour like for for those that have never experienced it myself included i mean do you drive from course to course do you bunk up with people I mean, are you making more money than you're spending or how's that work? The Canadian tour is awesome. It is so much fun. Um, And I'll say this about the Latin America tour as well. Uh, But the Canadian tour is a blast. In Canada for us, it felt like you were in the 51st state. And that's what one of the rules officials had described it to me as. Mm -hmm. And um, the hospitality that we get up there is unreal. A majority of the time you'll stay with billets or host house. Um, and you'll get a rental car in that situation, or if you do a hotel, say the host hotel, they'll have transportation provided. You're always bunking up with somebody. Yeah. No one, no one's making enough money up there to kind of ride solo. Um, but do you have sponsors at this point to kind of help you with any costs, or are you just slumming it from city to city? Or how's a lot it work? of a lot of guys are slumming it. Okay, a lot of guys are kind of you know eating what they kill type yeah. of situation. Um, I was fortunate enough to sign on with Titleist right after I graduated from college, so they were my main sponsor and still are my main sponsor uh, today. Uh, and that's what helped me get started, honestly. And do you have a caddy that goes with you, or are you local no. caddies? Every, local. Everybody's got local Every, caddies on. Yeah. I think the fee was like $35 a day, Canadian. <laughs> oh and everyone's hopping on that. And yeah. even if the uh, Canadian tour, I don't think it was mandatory to take a caddy the first two rounds. Okay. So guys would carry their own bag first two Any rounds. Any pushcart mafia guys no, out there? No, pushcarts were not allowed. They're not allowed? Not allowed. Frowned oh, upon. Oh, man. That's Very weak. frowned upon. Um, so okay, so you you how did your 2016 season go on the Canadian Tour? Did you play well? Did you it's it, you can look at results and mm-hmm. see it, but did you feel like you played well and you felt like all right, I belong out here? I thought I did. I yeah. thought I played well, yeah. and then when um, we got done with the year and I got through to first stage of Web.com Q School, I was like, oh well, I guess I didn't play that. <laughs> what did you finish on the Canadian Tour? Uh, would have been 33rd, 32nd, 33rd. But you can on the still list. get through to Web through, yes. the, through the qualifying. Yes, and exactly. then you went to Q School, and what happened? You said uh, made it through first stage, mm-hmm. and then bombed out at second stage. And so you have this had this gap from would have been mid, beginning of November till May. Until, until my season started back up. The reason why I want to kind of go step by step on this mm-hmm. is it's so a lot of people that listen to this podcast and to tune into golf on the weekend, watch PGA Tour guys, and the path to the guys getting there gets a bit lost as mm-hmm. far as how yes. good the cream of the cream of the crop are. Yes. I mean, I was playing golf a couple weeks ago with a guy who had played Canadian Tour um, like two years ago, but took the last year off and wasn't sure if he wants to do it again because he's just like, Dude, like it's so competitive on the Canadian tour. We're talking Canadian, and then Web, and then PGA Tour. So, uh, so you're back kind of at at the same place, I guess, after 2016. So you go Latino America and Canadian Tour in 17. How did that process uh, start? Uh, Well, my agent and I sat down and said, "Hey, look, either we're going to travel around play Monday qualifiers to Web.com events or PGA Tour events, which I have no status on to begin with." Mm -hmm. So. There's there's no room for advancement at that point. I'm just kind of playing one day shootouts to try to get into a tournament, uh, or do I go the route of Latin America and pay, play the PGA Tour Latino America? 
and we decided that, yeah, this is another opportunity to go f- get to the web.com and it's something I should pursue. And so I went down in January to Bogota, got uh, conditional status, not very good status at all. I actually didn't get into the first event. I went down to the Monday qualifier for that. <laughs> Monday and, qualifier for PGA Tour Latino America yes. in 2017. In 2017. Okay. Uh, and you're making starts on the PGA Tour in 2018. Yes, so, exactly. Well, yeah, continue. <laughs> uh, I didn't get through. Shot a couple under, didn't get through, and flew back home. It's like, man, what am, what am I going to do? <laughs> is, this, is this how it's going to be? God, is this how nutty. it's going to be for the rest of the spring until uh, summer comes around? Because I watch guys go Monday, try to Monday qualify for PGA Tour events. I'm like, man, that seems like a heavy lift to fly all the way to Arizona to try to Monday. And, and you're flying to South America to try yes. to Monday into PGA Tour Latino America. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I was fortunate enough, uh, like I said, didn't get into the first event in Bogota, but I got into Argentina, which was the second event. It was uh, two or three weeks later, got in the Friday Friday night before the event. I was told Claudio Rivas called me and said, hey, you're in. You want to get down here? I'm like, yeah, I want to yeah. get down there. But how do I get to Argentina? <laughs> Where, like, how long is this flight going to be? So we start looking in the flights. And I'm like, oh, my word, this is going to be so expensive. How much? It was two grand. Okay. The That's flight to get down. Honestly, there. not as bad as I would have expected. No. Yeah. For a last minute flight like yeah. that. Yeah. Pretty good. So um, pack up everything, short notice, just head on down there. I don't, and this is one where I said, you know, you don't like, no one's making enough to bunk up with people. Mm-hmm. I was bunking by myself this week yeah. and it was not fun. It was <laughs> tough. It was a, it was a big hit. It wasn't, um, flying down to Argentina, paying for that flight and then paying for the hotel room by myself. Uh, the Latin tour works a little different than the Canadian tour. Whereas like Canadian tour, you have billets and you have host hotels with transportation provided everything's on your own on latin america okay so you can do airbnb you can find a priceline hotel or hotels.com whatever it may be but you're on your own and so it ends up morphing into a bunch of guys staying in the same area renting one rental car between six or seven guys (laughs) and just making it work and if you could have it one way you probably would have hoped everything to be arranged kind of on the latino america side versus the canadian side just language barriers and structure and culture and whatnot it's probably a lot harder to do on your own in latino america it is but that's um i was going to get into is like that's i'm so thankful for yeah and then the pga tour latino america i think it's honestly probably the best developmental tour that i could have ever been on okay and it was such a challenge such so much different like like you said culture different language so much so many things i was not used to you're dealing with a lot and it probably it seems like whoever deals with all of the other variables the best probably plays the best golf yeah because that's a lot of distraction people kind of take it for granted Mm -hmm. you know flying to different countries different cultures and watching the top guys do it over and over again but that's just like a lot going on outside of just playing the golf course and the golf courses are pretty different down there (laughs) as well right yes i mean we went um one week we're in quito ecuador which or um which is at like 9,000 feet elevation to Dominican Republic on the, you know, on the coast. Yeah. yeah. Just <laughs> right on the water. Um, so then after you play really well in Latino America. Yes. And then are you close to getting top five Latino America to get web status? You ended up back on the Canadian tour. How did that work? Mm-hmm. So during, during the entire spring, I had mentioned I only had conditional status. So I had to top 20 into each event, oh each God. next event. <laughs> So I went, I think, four four straight top 20s. It ended up being like four straight top five finishes, I think. But just kept top 20, top 20, top 20, so I can keep playing mm-hmm. in these events. Um, at the And the Latin America tour stops. They take the summer off, and then they pick up again in the fall. Because it's winter down there. Yes. In South America. Yeah. Uh, well, in it's kind some of places, close yeah. to the equator, yeah. Exactly. It's kind of the same. Uh, but it works well with the Canadian tour schedule, for the most part. Um, so I was able to go, I think I ended up playing 15, either 14 or 15 Latino America events and seven PGA Tour Canada events mm-hmm. between the two tours. Uh, so I had a full schedule. I was all over the place, but I had a full schedule. Um, played well all spring in Latin America, uh, went, spent the summer in Canada, played well in Canada, and then went back down to Latin America once the uh, Canadian tour finished up. And you won in Canada yes. in 2017. How did you, so did you get status then through the Canadian tour no. to the web tour? I finished, I actually finished 11th on the money list. 11th in Canada. TJ Vogel beat me by $124 Canadian dollars <laughs> over the full season. And he got the 10th spot, which was a automatic exemption into final stage Q school. Oh God. <laughs> and TJ, if you're listening, I'm 
sorry. I still hold that over your head. <laughs> so you didn't get any status through Canadian or Latino America in 17? Uh, no. Oh. So uh, I ended up finishing sixth on the money list in Latino America, which got me to final Final stage, stage. okay. Yes. And then you got your web status. I played well at final, final stage. Final stage, got yep. all the way through. And then good season on the web.com tour. You come out in 2018, which is, again, just last year. When you get out to the web tour, I feel like it's more of a it gets closer to a full test of golf more so than it is in some of the stops you would make in Canada and Latino America. Does that make any sense? Yes, it does. Make sense. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Uh, I understand what you're getting at. Yeah. Golf courses are more difficult. The uh, atmosphere is more like what you would assume is like a, a tour event almost. Correct. Yes. And it, it kind of, like and I, I think it just kind of gives you a different, can give you a different level of confidence too to be in a different group of peers. So mm-hmm. when you get out there, What's the competition like compared? I feel like Latino America and Canada, you're so far at the bottom mm-hmm. that it can be kind of overwhelming for how much you have ahead of you. Yes. And then as you get further up, it's like, all right, now I know what my competition is at this level and what I need to beat to get to the, the yeah. top level. Because, that- I mean, web.com every week, you're going to have former either PGA Tour champions mm-hmm. or just PGA Tour multi-year players on the PGA Tour. Correct. So you can you can see how good they are how good they were or what their game is like and that's what it's that's what they used at the next level so the web tour courses and the setup there was that a good fit for you do you think yeah, maybe it worked too so. it got you no. the pga yeah. tour but uh, yeah. I, some guys talk like man I, I think i honestly would have more success on the pga tour because the way courses set up etc um so i was curious as to how, kind of how you viewed those courses yes but you the think same people t- are making excuses yeah, i think they're making excuses <laughs> i think uh i think good players will play good the cream golf. rises no without yes. a doubt i think somebody you look at a guy like cameron champ who i think was i mean he, he got to the pga tour obviously he's a web stud tour. though he is but i think he was held back a bit by setups on the web tour yes yeah, and no okay yes and no i mean he had what like six straight top 10 finishes including a win well he has clearly emerged like, on the pga tour as the top guy coming graduating from the web class and he didn't win the web finals or didn't win the money yeah. list last year but i mean like sung jm's doing also sam burns Correct. is a pretty good player hey you can disagree with my <laughs> theories here i'm just throwing this out here my, my yeah okay so you play the web tour yes. like what what is what is your game like you're 511 you're not a you're not a big guy but you you're a longer hitter on tour correct uh, and I'm long enough. Okay. How about you're not a bomber, but you're long enough. I, I classify myself as long enough. Okay. That's that's a good that's a good thing for the PGA <laughs> Tour. Um, what, what were kind of the highlights, I guess, of the Web Tour season? Highlights of the Web Tour season as in like where I played well? Yeah, or where you I played enjoyed. well, what you learned, and what, what was that experience like playing on, on the Web.com Tour? I love being on the Web.com Tour. I mean, it was fun. It was um, obviously a step up in competition uh every week you go from in latin america or the canadian tour where 10 to 15 guys could win each week to 75 guys could win each week on the web.com and the pga tour everyone that's there has a chance to win starting the week Mm -hmm. uh but the web uh, web web.com tour is i had a blast honestly go to a bunch of different places uh that that's the first time you're really traveling alone like you're not really traveling in a pack like you were on the latin america tour or on the canadian tour you're staying in hotel rooms by yourself uh you have a full-time caddy that week uh you have more gyms available to you you have physios available to you you're hitting good golf balls on the range um you have ropes up you have grandstands you have things like that and it it kind of is like as the uh, as a rookie last year, I was like not quite getting my feet wet a little bit more than getting my feet wet mm-hmm. into what like a PGA Tour event would be like or mm-hmm. what, you know, the angle like the PGA Tour lifestyle is or PGA Tour week is like um, it taught me a, a whole lot, honestly. And for the listeners at home, how did you earn your card? How did you make your way to the PGA Tour? I was in the season long 25 guys. And where did you finish on that? 25. <laughs> <laughs> So you get your car, but you go into the PGA Tour season, like the bottom of the ranking priority. I was priority. 49 out of 50. So you're going to yes. play every single PGA Tour event that you get to. Correct. The last event of the regular season, you have kind of a car, a celebration yes, going important. there. Mm-hmm. And then you go through the web finals, and then it's like straight, almost a week late, two weeks yes. later, straight to the Safeway. Yeah. We PGA had, Tour. Yeah. Are you nervous as hell to tee it up on the PGA Tour for the first I time? I was, yeah. yeah. I'm glad that, I don't know who caught it on camera, but caught my first tee shot. They got it on Safeway. Camera? Yeah. I mean, it was the longest drive I hit all season. <laughs> Hands down. <laughs> 
Just because the adrenaline was pumping? Everything was pumping. Everything was going. I was moving nice, and the ball just went. It was a great shot. I mean, is it, it, were you, is there, has there been a moment on your time on tour yet that you've been kind of starstruck or kind of look around like, oh my God, I am actually here? Yeah, this last, then Tory Pines. Yeah? Yeah. What was that moment? Um, I'm practicing on the putting green Wednesday, and then all of a sudden you have like, 10 to 15 kind of security guards start moving people around and ropes ropes start going up and they'd already been like crowded around the putting green because pro-am day so Uh you got a lot of a lot of different guys kind of moving in and out teeing off on the north or south course uh and they could just big group of people is around and start it's like kind of hear like the rumbling of people chattering and whatnot and then all of a sudden just screams tiger tiger <laughs> and it's dead stop whatever drill i was working on or whatever putt i was hitting and just kind of look gonna say brant snedeker i'm yeah, sorry no I was no, no yeah. i'm sorry Brant. <laughs> um and here comes uh joe lacava with his bag throws it down on the putting green and security guards are holding everyone back and then here comes Tiger just emerges from this crowd of people to the putting green. Like, oh my God. Are it's you start happening. Thinking, like, <laughs> he's watching me. You're like, think he's watching this putt or is he looking at me right now? <laughs> no, like, what, I, what's going through your mind? Uh, nothing like that. But I did give him um, like plenty of room on the putting green whenever on the same. Uh, You're the not same putting green, the same, the same hole? No, no, no. He's earned his own hole at this point in time. Uh, so, so what you missed your first two cuts yes. on the tour. Was that nerves or were you just not quite? Uh, where, where does that kind of how does that happen in your mind i wasn't ready to play come safeway okay no, was why was not. that i was too busy looking at everything going on around me okay way too busy kind of soaking in the scenes you know just like being awestruck about being on the pga tour and playing in your first event mm-hmm. and of course that almost, which is natural yes yeah. it, it is natural you wish you could not get sucked into it but it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, on a course that I actually really enjoyed. I thought I was going to play well there. Um, got just completely obliterated. Wasn't even close to making the cut. Uh, go to Sanderson Farms. Missed by one with a few bad holes coming down the stretch. And I was disappointed. Honestly, I was. Because I knew that while that was all happening, like I needed I needed to make cuts. Otherwise, I was going to get just completely left in the dust with this reshuffle. Yeah, because in the fall, the, like the top top players are not filling out the fields in a lot mm-hmm. of those events. So you, got all the guys that just graduated from the Web Tour, are able to get into all those events, and then there's a reshuffle after Sony. Is that right? No, no. after uh, RSM. Well, after RSM, at the end of yeah. the fall, there's a reshuffle. So you got to play well in those five events, or you are. Correct. Not going to get in when the when the big guns come back, starting really at Tory. Yeah, a lot of the the rookie and, and young guys don't get into a lot of those events, so there's a lot of pressure on you immediately to get out of the bottom of that yes. priority. And I didn't get into um, didn't get into Vegas or Mayakoba. Yeah, my so priority number it just wasn't high enough, okay. and we probably had 15 of us Monday qualifying for both those events Jesus. trying to get in. God, it's yeah, so it was tough. It was really tough. Yeah. And when you miss the two, like assume that you're only going to get in maybe two or three events and you've missed the first two cuts you're pulling out your hair like oh my gosh is this already over before it's even started that's yeah that's the deal the kind of i guess the what people don't think about a lot i think is you know you getting your pga tour card doesn't mean you go play whatever pga tour events you want and you know Correct. it does it doesn't set you up you're not set up great for success being bought like 25th from the web to go to no, the PGA tour. So it is like an extra layer of pressure. So yeah, miss but, the first two cuts. Then what happens? Uh, make the, I play well at RSM, mm-hmm. uh, make the cut and shoot, uh, I think a final round 65 to move me up. And that moved me from 49th to 24th in our category. Enormous. Huge. Yeah. Massive. Cause where does the cutoff for like Sony or uh, Tory? Sony ran pretty deep. Uh, Tory did not. I think Tory was probably at like, 35 or 40 maybe so that one I mean, round really yeah. got you into into tory which yeah. parlayed into you were in sixth i think going into sunday yes. are the nerves going then again different going into the final round yeah, of the pj tour <laughs> they were pretty different <laughs> it's a safe place you could admit that so <laughs> I, are you nervous sleep it's not sleeping on the lead but you're sleeping like just for reference sake yes. like you're you're playing for in every PGA Tour event you teed up, you're paying playing for 10x money that you ever really have played for. Correct. And so that I've ever earned. Ever, yeah. yeah. So you sponsors, earned, earnings on course, gambling. Are you? Is that what you're thinking about, or is like no. what? No, what Not are you thinking point. about at that point? Uh, I actually had a pretty good mindset this week, yeah. this past week, and it was knowing it was going to be difficult, knowing it was going to be something different, and doing everything I can just to accept what came. 
just my acceptance levels. I'm just trying to give myself every opportunity, trying to be my best friend out there mm-hmm. that I could possibly be. Because I knew if I'm going out, just you know, beating myself up after every you know so-so shot or I miss a birdie putt, I'm like, oh gosh, and you're not going to get another one. You mm-hmm. you just ruined it. No, like you you're not going. That's not going to help you play well. And so that last week, I had a really good mindset each round going into it, saying, hey, you're going to have your opportunities. Trust yourself that you're going to be able to get more. If you, even if you don't take advantage of a few you have early on, they'll come. Stay patient. Trust yourself. Accept what happens. And I did. I had I, I played really well for the first three rounds. Unfortunately, I missed too many greens the last day and was just around that golf course. You can't you, you can't it, really miss too many greens. It catches up to you quickly yes, at Torrey Pines. So. It does. But so in in six, so you you've played had six starts. You mm-hmm. made three cuts. Yes, you've made a hundred k so far this yes. year on the PGA Tour. And mm-hmm. I think you made one hundred and sixty k last mm-hmm. year on the Web Tour. Yeah. So that just kind of gives you an idea <laughs> of, of the of the range and difference and just kind of. I don't know. Everybody knows there's a lot of money in professional golf, but mm-hmm. you know, just seeing some of the size of some of the paychecks that come and like the guys are the guys that are doing this for the first time. This is a very serious yeah. thing. So. I think I saw one of your tweets uh, right after Adam Long had won. And Adam's been a pro for five years, six years, maybe. I think even longer than that. Yeah, he doubled his earnings in one week. Yeah, his career earnings he made in one five hundred eighty-five k or something through eight professional seasons. Exactly, and then won a million bucks. Yeah, yeah. So. And it's it's awesome. It's the opportunities that we have out here on the PGA Tour to provide for our families um to play in front of fans the way that we do is incredible mm-hmm. it is so so unique and so cool so what's next for you then what are you in events going are you are you what the reshuffle yeah. is after genesis after genesis so yes. you, will you slide up again based on your finish at tory or are you st- i would hope so yeah I would, I would really hope so yeah. i don't know though um and that's kind of the scary thing and we were planning out travel it's like well we're going to pebble beach next week and maybe los angeles do the monday qualifier for los angeles and then we'll go down to puerto rico and after puerto rico i'd love to play here in florida but at the same time it's like with this new schedule you don't know how many guys are going to want to be playing early in florida uh if they're going to be doing prep for the players that's coming up here in about a month mm-hmm. and it's coming up soon really yeah. quick uh we have two wgcs in the next six weeks i think like it's it's packed yeah it's, it's very packed early on so i have Honestly, other than Pebble and Puerto Rico, I don't really know where I'll be playing next. Well, it's funny to hear like the, your excitement for WGCs, which means that there's an opposite yeah, field. Yes. Then that Port- yeah, yeah, it's I our major. I yeah, Puerto Rico and Dominican. How do flights work? I mean, what do you like? You said you don't know what you're going on to Pebble. You don't. Do you have a return flight booked, or do nope. you figure that out on? Nope. The, like, is it crazy a, expensive to fly last minute all the time? Yes, it definitely. You lose couple hundred bucks every time and i travel with my wife i'm mm-hmm. very thankful that she's out there with me now it's i mean way more enjoyable than mm-hmm. it was when you're traveling alone sure. despite what curtis and max may think about <laughs> you know hanging out together every afternoon every <laughs> night uh, the uh, yeah it does get expensive but we have a rental car booked from monterey to la one way and Hopefully we can drop it off and trade it in for a courtesy car that week and stay in L.A. and then <laughs> fly from L.A. to San Juan, Puerto Rico. But we'll see. God, that's amazing. All right. Um, if we're going to we're going to predict yes. the event that you have your first PGA Tour win oh. at, what what would you what would you guess the event is going to be? What's a golf course that you're like, OK, that one's for me. I don't know. I honestly oh, could tell on, you. I haven't seen. I could can I tell you where I would love to win sure. for the first time. Bay Hill. OK. I grew up here in Orlando. Mm-hmm. I didn't play Bay Hill until I was a professional. I went out to the tournament, never was invited out to play, never got on the golf course to actually play. I had walked it. I actually followed Sam Saunders around when I was in high school. After We went to the same high school here in Orlando. Huge fan of his growing up when he went to Clemson, turned pro. Uh, he was playing in the third round with Colin Montgomery in like 2010, 2011 or something like that. I think I saw every shot Sam hit. <laughs> that that uh, that round and it was awesome it was fun it was so cool and it was something that i love going out and seeing arnold palmer has such a not only huge impact in the golf world but here in orlando i mean he has the arnold palmer hospital the winnie palmer hospital for uh, women and children i mean this is something that you know half of my friends here in orlando were born at arnold palmer hospital mm-hmm. and he has such a huge effect on the town and the city that Winning at home, place that I grew up, place that I grew up going to the event would be so cool. 
looking for an exemption there into that one <laughs> no send no, that audio no, right would, out yeah, over I, I wouldn't be, do that that would be pretty sweet um all right last question when was the last time you paid for golf last time i paid for golf more recently than i'm probably proud to say oh yeah yeah no that, that's that's a prideful um, thing definitely when i went out to play every time i go out to play winter park nine okay i'll pay the the 15 dollars or 20 dollars whatever yeah. it is uh, how often do you go out there uh four times a year five times a year mm-hmm. maybe i what love it it's it? it's a blast it's yeah. the best what i mean i think it should it? be compulsory for all golfers in central florida or at least junior golfers to go play what do you love about it the redesign's so much fun it provides uh so many different opportunities to hit shots uh it's cheap it's easy to go out there and walk nine holes i get take i mean shoot it's going to take less than an hour and a half to walk nine holes what do you what do you shoot out there every time i go out there i'm like all right this is this course is easy and it's 2300 yards yeah. nine holes and i don't think i've broken par on it <laughs> once but i imagine it's different for you i but shot like, um before the redesign which is it was a same track uh-huh. same the same exact shapes of holes and everything but very different style the I probably were way different but yes the before, they were yeah. they're much easier yeah i probably shot 30 10 times yeah. when I was out there but since they redesigned probably 5 4 under maybe okay. is that that's 31 I that's think about 31 yeah. yeah I mean but it's not simple is the no, thing no it? and I also don't hit more than a 4 iron okay that well that'll do it for you yeah, as well. yeah it's, it's a little short yeah. I mean the first hole is 230 yards or something like that par 4 yeah par's irrelevant but yeah, yeah. it's but, yes. but the shorter courses actually end up testing your long irons more than yeah. like I hit way more long irons at Winter Park than I do any course I play in mm-hmm. Jacksonville and you're a little nervous because there's some nice cars driving there around are. there oh <laughs> man it is and they come into play on yes. more than one hole. Yeah, so. I've hit a few graves, uh, tombstones as well. Trying to cut the corner. Not around. proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to disturb anybody. But um, Well, I think we've covered most of everything. Anything glaring that I missed there? Not that I'm aware of. Not, nothing you're trying to get off your chest? No, nothing I'm trying awesome. to get off my Well, chest. thanks for spending the time. Uh, I know you got a big, import, a important accounting meeting here in a couple hours as you're now making real money. So yes. No, but congratulations on making it to the tour. We look forward to uh, to following you and uh, and hope uh, hope the best for you. Thank you, Sally. Thank you all for the hard work you guys put on. Oh. It's awesome stuff. Appreciate that. Cheers. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. That's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect.